Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's uh, Monday, October 3rd. I am your host, Jack Riggins, Jack of all trades, master of none. Johnny Cadillac is producing the show. It's always good when I can get Johnny Cadillac on a Monday to giggle a little bit. Yeah, he's easy. That was he's, that was like your greatest intro ever. I loved it. That's me. Well, it's not the greatest intro. That's totally like a special operations SEAL team line because we're just we're good at a lot of things, not real good at anything. Um, hey, there's a lot of news out there um, that we are going to cover in the second segment. Just random national down to local stuff. Uh, give you a layout, but uh, have a real special guest on today. Uh, Husker beat writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman. Uh, Mitch, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Commander, it's good to talk to you. I found myself in some hot water with a few Nebraska fans a couple weeks ago for referring to President Carter as President Carter instead of Vice Admiral Carter. So I am going to be 100% proper with that and and, uh, make sure I get your... uh, uh, well, I, you know, title in there. Uh, just like a, a potential suitor to your daughter, there comes a point in time that you just say, please call me Jack, and I'll say, please call me Jack. <laughs> but you clearly ran into some very serious Navy people uh, if they were calling you out on uh, what I would say is President Carter, because the president, you know, outranks an admiral. Well, there you go. Well, thank you. I should use that one. He, I, I mean, he edits his current role, but I, I, I am all about paying a proper respect, so... Yeah. Uh, good to talk to you today. Yeah, thank you. Man, many people don't know that Jimmy Carter is a former naval guy, and it, it makes me sad that he had such a bad presidency, but I think he's a good man. Uh, Husker football, the topic that I don't cover a lot, and so I like to get some of the reporters that are, you know, from other outlets, but what does this win mean, you know, this last weekend, and, and what does this week, as far as the season goes, this lead up to this Rutgers game, uh, what does it kind of mean in the season? Well, it was a big moment for Nebraska on Saturday night to just get a win against a Big Ten team. It's been 300, it had been 364 days. So that's just difficult to even comprehend that Nebraska won an entire year and its only victory was against North Dakota, an FCS team. So in the minds of the players, I think in, in the, in the psychological game that goes on, on the field and in the locker room and everything that the coaches are dealing with, because clearly it's more than a physical battle to get these guys into the winning, um, into the win column. So they, they, they crossed a big hurdle, I think on Saturday, just to go because, because of the way the game went. And you remember the last game, the most recent big 10 game against a game against an FBS opponent that Nebraska won was Northwestern last year. And it was 56 to seven. So there were a lot of different, dynamics at work and it wasn't a game that nebraska had to gut out yeah so here we are yeah it's 21 21 in the fourth quarter and you know that a lot of the same thoughts are creeping into the into their minds and, and if they're not um then mickey joseph and bill bush and and this coaching staff have done an incredible job of rewiring these guys brains i, I don't i don't think they have i think basically they 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 did it they they found a way to dig down and, and finally pull that one out and it didn't snap the streak of of consecutive 13 consecutive i believe it is lost yeah. in one score games but you know it felt like that and i think it, i think the next time they get in that moment and potentially play a one score game they're going to be in better shape you know mitch uh i 
I appreciate that. I have to be honest. I was not thinking it has been that long. I really wasn't. I'm not, I don't look into the numbers that much because, you know, each contest to me is very important when I look at any kind of competitive endeavor. But, you know, that is something for Husker fans to soak in for a second as to the impact of that game if you're inside the rooms and inside, you know, the, the stadium making the sausage like those kids are and those coaches are. It was weird at the end of the game because the players ran onto the field and there seemed to be kind of like a, an influx coming in from the sideline. And, I'm, and I was thinking, I was standing on the, the east sideline by the Nebraska bench when the, when the, you know, the game ended. And I'm like, man, are, are there fans coming on the stands or so, or coming out of the stands? There's so many people right? running onto the field. It, I, Nebraska almost, almost forgot how to, how, how to celebrate a win like that. I mean, you're, you're not really going to celebrate in that fashion when you beat North Dakota. Um, but any big 10, any big 10 win is a big win. And it yeah. doesn't matter that Indiana was 0 and 9 in the league last year. It was, it was a really big win and they deserve to be able to celebrate it after all that they, um, after all the defeats that they've endured on the field and then all of the adversity that they've, that they've waded through off the field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that brings up a point of crossover sports of, how uh, sacred, you know, John Cook takes it with volleyball in a Big Ten win. Like, I think Husker fans need to understand the conference is hard. I heard John yesterday after the Maryland victory on the radio with John Baylor, and and it was, yeah, it was that kind of, hey, a Big Ten win is a Big Ten win. And yeah. will take it. If you don't play well, that's, that's fine. Um, that's not fine. You're going to dr- address things in practice, and, you know, he's not going to, necessarily harp on the message that it was it was great it was great to beat Maryland for in, in right. four sets and and survive but a win is a win is a win and you'll, you'll take it and certainly that's the that's the mentality that you have to adopt in football these days yeah and and I you know me and I think the the listeners know me I mean you know me sports wise listeners know me a little bit differently but you know to me, it's serious business. I mean, you put a lot of work in to go out there and compete, and the reason you play games is because anybody can win. And so I don't want to jump into like, oh, everything's great. But in the end of the day, they are still working, and they are in a competitive sport. And the reality is, so far, the Big Ten West is a little ugly. And right at this current moment, that actually favors a Nebraska if they can kind of get the boat or, you know, Going in the right direction. It's a lot ugly. I'll just say that. It's really you ugly. Have, you have six of the seven teams that are sitting at one and one, and then Wisconsin, the perennial favorite at zero and two, and, and, and by the way, fired the coach yesterday. So Nebraska is not alone, in and even its own division, sitting there with an interim coach who who has been promoted and and. You know, that's the task in front of Jim Leonard at Wisconsin, the same one that faces Mickey Joseph here in Lincoln. And meanwhile, the division around those two programs is, you know, jockeying for position. It looked last week like Minnesota was the team to beat in the division. And then uh, the Gophers go out and lose at home to Purdue on Saturday. Um, now you see Illinois after a 34-10 to 10 win at Wisconsin. And, you know, Brett Bielema riding high into, into Camp Randall, beating his, his old team. You know, what a moment that yeah. had to be for him. And I would say Illinois is, is a team that you, you would look at. You know, if the odds came out right now, it wouldn't shock me if Illinois was the favorite to win that 
to win the Big Ten West. And, and of course, the Illini are the next opponent to come into M- Memorial Stadium after two road games for the Huskers and a bye that start this Friday night. Yeah, it's turned out to be an interesting year. Again, we're on with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. He is the Husker beat writer. He's been doing it for years. Uh, awesome articles on The Athletic. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is I would love nothing more as an alum, as a person that follows a team and, and, and cares, seriously, for them to gut out a, a rock fight in the Big Ten West. Who cares, right? I mean, it has just turned into a rock fight now, and we'll see as each week goes by. And that's probably why this week's pretty important, don't you think? Well, they're all important. Um, you know, you can probably look at the Nebraska schedule and mark the Michigan game as a loss. I, I you know, I, I don't want to upset anybody, but I don't think Nebraska's going into the big house in November and, and, and walking out with a win. Anything can happen, and, and you know, it's probably an easier task than what you might face if you played at Ohio State, but not not by much. Right. Michigan was a college football playoff team last year, defending Big Ten champ, and, and looks to have you know a different kind of team this year, but, but maybe equally as good, if not better. So I'm marking that one down as the loss. Everything, everything else, the remaining six are winnable. Yeah. So I, I think it, 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 the Big Ten West champ might walk out with five wins, with, with a five and four record, and, and then get into Indy on a tiebreaker. You could see a team emerge at six and three. I think six and three would win the division for sure. Um, wouldn't be surprised at all if five and four win the division. So of the, of the six games other than Michigan that remain for Nebraska, you got, you got to win four, I think, in order to be in contention, have a chance. To, to win the division. And it's crazy that we're talking about that after the way Nebraska started at Northwestern um, against Northwestern in Dublin, um, Northwestern, probably the worst team in the league. And, and, you know, Nebraska could easily be, be two and oh, you know, but Hey, there's lots of ifs through, through the years. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? You I mean, back. My, my message would be, I mean, it's simple. You don't expect to be in a rock fight, but the reality is we sit today is fellas we're in a rock fight and somebody's got to win a rock fight. So stay in the rock fight would be my advice. Stay in the rock fight and just keep going because you don't know. Yeah, nobody's going to run away with this thing in the West, and and the, whoever comes out of it is you know they're going to look like they were in a rock fight because they're going to have they're going to have busted lips and and you know cuts all over their all over their <laughs> face you know figuratively. But uh, it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see to see who emerges, and, and it could be it could be Illinois, it could be Minnesota, it could be Iowa, you know Purdue. I, I mean those. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't be shocked if it's any of those teams. I, yeah. I would be more surprised if it's Nebraska or Wisconsin. Uh, certainly Northwestern would would surprise me quite a bit at this point. At this point, but it's wide open. Um, everybody in the state, I think, had to notice, and and it's kind of a two part question. But going back, you know, and I only bring this question up because of the actions I saw uh, post game locker room and the AD, but. Is this Mickey Joseph, is he basically in a long tryout? And then, you know, what was the AD actions and excitement? I mean, what? how does that all play in? Because that was, it was cool. It was a huge moment. But, I mean, Trev Alberts looked like, and the kids, like we won the Super Bowl. And, I hey, celebrate a win. I'm all for it. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I had some conversations with people close to Mickey after the Oklahoma game, you know, days into his, his eight-game um, tryout. As you, as you, you know, you called it uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the message that I received at that point was, you know, it's more likely that Mickey's trying out for another job outside of Nebraska. You know, maybe there's a group of five jobs, a smaller conference job um, that 
he, he could do well enough at Nebraska to to impress to the point where he gets hired somewhere else. Like say for example, Tulane in, in his hometown of New Orleans. If they're without a coach at the end of this year because Willie Fritz, the Tulane coach, moves on to another place. He's from Kansas, by the way. So you know maybe there's a coach at Kansas who's moving on and, and creates an opening there. And, and maybe Mickey Joseph could be a candidate um, down in Louisiana. You know, I asked the same question this weekend um, to, the, to the same person about Mickey and, you know, his potential candidacy at Nebraska, and I got a different answer. And it was more along the lines of, yes, he, you know, he is a candidate. He is in a position where, um, he, you know, he's trying out and he needs to, to win, win games. And he's like everybody else. If he wins, then he's going to get consideration for this job. And I think what happened in the locker room after the game on Saturday night with Trev Albert, um, you know, it only, it only enhanced that. It only enhanced that opportunity for Mickey. It only reinforced the reality that, you know, he is coaching for more than just victories this season. I, I don't think Trev Alberts goes in there with the cameras on him. And, you know, those are the key words there. Um, and, and, and creates that situation. And then they put it out on social media if in Trev's mind, Mickey is not um, is not a uh, a potential candidate. Not to say that he's the favorite. Not right. And it's, it's it is an uphill battle. But he's Trev our coach right now, top. and we're in a rock Usually fight. We don't get it. And we're you know what I mean. He's our coach right now. He's a Husker. He's we're in a rock fight, and it it that type of stuff is good for the program. It's good for the kids, and in a way, you know, M- Mickey performs, and and it's probably win win for him either way. The other thing to consider is that now Wisconsin's in the mix and Colorado is in the mix. Those are both as of yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, we know that Arizona State has an opening. Uh, Georgia Tech has an opening. These are all schools that have joined the, the coaching carousel since Nebraska was the first to jump on September 11th. There will be more. So all of those things, you know, they have domino effects. And, you know, whether they end up hiring a coach who's also a potential candidate at Nebraska or not, in some way, they and their decisions, the decisions of the athletic directors at those schools impact what could happen at Nebraska. So um, let's say that several of the potential Nebraska uh, candidates end up choosing other schools or don't or decide not to leave their schools because there aren't the openings out there that they're, that they're coveting. Nebraska may be left in a position where Mickey Joseph is just the best choice. You know, yeah, and, and and that's that's what that's what Alberts ends up doing. You know, we'll see. It's it's a long way. We're still like a month away from even getting to like the backstretch sure. thing. If it's if it's a horse horse race. Can you summarize you you in your mailbag? You did a great job of explaining kind of your thought process of reporting on like what I call rumor or fringe theories or dysfunction. You know, when reporters kind of know some things but not everything's when it comes to like a major sports story, AD coaches or pro athletes. You know how you go about doing that. Yeah, I mean this is a hot topic in the wake of of Scott Frost departure. Um, I had a lot of people coming to me, both in the mailbag, you know, on Twitter, um, you know, in forums like this, uh, even in public. And, and, you know, I I think Nebraska fans felt duped a bit because four years had gone by and the fans, a lot of the fans, I think only heard positivity about Scott Frost and the optimistic storyline, um, you know, about how he was the, the home state kid and coming back to save the program and all the great work he did at UCF and, and you know, Tom Osborne's, um, you know, former pupil 
everything, all of the, the popular narratives that existed back in, in 2018, you know, persisted in the minds of a lot of people through the last four years when the reality was, you know, things started to get dysfunctional fairly early under Frost. And a lot of those stories came out. Um, and, and, and I mean, came out like people started talking about them. Now, I, I, I believe that, um, you know, I've covered this team evenly through, through four years and, you know, have reported on the dysfunction, um, clearly not to the level that satisfied some readers after Scott Frost was fired because they didn't feel like they heard enough about uh, the things that led to Nebraska going off the rails, essentially, under Scott Frost the last two years. And, and that's, that's really what it was. It was yeah. a three and nine team last year. It was a one and three team um, or a one and two team uh, when, when he was let go. So it, it, it got pretty bad. Um, there, there, were, there have been a lot of things that you – if you go around the state and talk to people um, wherever you are, you can hear just about anything that there is possible to hear about why it went wrong for Scott Frost. That doesn't mean that I can write a story about all of those things. I, you know, and it, you know, I'm not going to get into, a, into into preaching about journalistic ethics here, but the standard for accuracy in what we do is extremely high, and. If I'm going to detail what went wrong and I'm going to detail, let's say, 20 things that that went wrong in the Frost era, all 20 of those things, they better be exactly right if I'm going to put them in print and put them into an article. So that's why it doesn't come out necessarily the morning after Scott Frost's time at Nebraska ends. These things need to be verified. They need to come from... Uh, people who saw it happen. I think Not that's I think that's great though to explain that, that as you did, Mitch. And I appreciate it. Hey, I got to take a break, but can I get you for two more minutes when we come back? Absolutely. All right, we're on with uh, Mitch Sherman from the Athletic KLIN fourteen hundred ninety nine three. You're getting the four one one from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, we're on here uh, Monday with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch, we have you about one minute. Uh, Closing up, talking Husker football, what is a real expectation over the next five years for, you know, fans? Well, I think that that's going to be more set when we know who the next coach is because you have to look at that coach's track record. Um, It's also going to be more set when we know the complexion of the Big Ten over the next five years. Remember, USC and UCLA are joining the league in 2024. I'll, I'll, I will give you a just a, well, the dose of reality here because realistic means you're going to have to build this thing. Now, right. I, and I don't build in the sense that like Nebraska can be Baylor where it goes from two wins in 2020 to 12 wins in a conference championship yeah. in 2020. 20 seconds, That's a different, Sorry. Yeah. Um, the 2024 schedule, Nebraska's set to play Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State in the crossover games from the East. So just take that into account. And other things like that are going to exist as USC and UCLA come onto the schedule. It's going to have to be a slow build. The best way to build it is not to do it overnight. So I think that needs to be taken into account when you're talking about reality. Thanks, Mitch Sherman. Really appreciate it. KLAN 1499.3. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're back here, second segment on Monday, October 3rd. I am Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny Cadillac's producing the show, um, and I have already gotten uh, a finger waved at me. Folks, it's 82 and sunny, and it feels like 83. I am sorry that I didn't give the weather at the beginning of the show, so I'm not positive if we had the one-degree Drive Time Lincoln dip up or down during the first segment. I am confident that we still did, even though we weren't able to check. We've had it every time. <laughs> uh, we had Mitch Sherman from The Athletic on talking uh, just kind of broad picture, Husker football, and, and some of the stuff. Uh, really enjoyed it. I think, uh, you know, besides I, Caleb Henry, or Caleb Henry, our sports director and uh, fame on uh, LNK Today in the morning, um, he does a great job covering Huskers as well. I just always like to get somebody outside of the circle to see what they're thinking. And I've known Mitch and, and followed his writings for years. Uh, Steve Sipple's another one I always go to. But, uh, yeah, I really thought it was some good insight. And, uh, you know, in the end of the day, honestly, I didn't realize they hadn't won a Big Ten game in about, a honestly, a year. So if you're inside the program, I mean, what a huge kind of hurdle to get over, challenge. And, honestly, I'm not trying to say, oh, everything's great. I'm not. What I'm saying is, in a competitive environment, like football, you you know, as the season goes on and where it all sits today in the Big Ten West, it's just a it's a rock fight. It's just all over the map. And so if Nebraska's having a topsy turvy year, which they've had thus far, um, that plays well for them. So, you know, go get another W against Rutgers and just keep building. And you know, you never know how it'll turn out. So there's plenty of reason um to be excited about the rest of this football season. There really is. And uh, and I'm excited for the the kids and the people in the program that that got a win. Um, didn't realize it was that long, and Mitch had some great thoughts. So really appreciate him coming in. Check him out on the athletic um, as you go. Um, I also a little programming note here: there will be no drive time uh, Lincoln on Friday. Why? Because the Husker uh, pregame uh, starts at 2 p.m. So um, Johnny and I will be off doing other things. So no drive time Lincoln on Friday. Don't forget about uh, Oktoberfest. Join us at uh, Piedmont Oktoberfest Saturday, October 8th. Uh, KLN's partnering with the shops at Piedmont to once again offer a little taste of Bavaria with the 7th Annual Oktoberfest Celebration. I've said this before, folks, having been stationed in Germany, um, that I partake, I, I partook probably a little too much in the festivities over the years, so I have retired. However... Getting a taste of Bavaria, whether it's actually over in Germany at the Oktoberfest or here at the Piedmont uh, shops with KLAN is something you must do. Just a heck of a tradition around the world um, and in Germany and right here in Lincoln. But you can even use our exclusive discount if you get your tickets online with code KLAN at checkout right now. So sign up there. Uh, really want to thank Residence Inn by Marriott, Nebraska Department of Transportation, Allo, and Relentless Merch for partnering with us to make this event happen. So cool. Uh, we've got another mayor candidate going to announce here um, on the conservative side, Stan Parker, um, who is going to announce 
At 11 o'clock on Wednesday, October 5th, we got a press release that's been hitting the airwaves. Uh, he'll be joined by uh, former congressman and football coach Tom Osborne at that press conference at uh, Suite 111 at 11 a.m. on Wednesday. So check that out. Um, that will be interesting because um, we know that Suzanne Geist announced on the conservative side as well. I'm not sure that I've heard anything if the current mayor is going to announce again. Um, but we've got two conservatives in the mix right now, um, and that's going to be interesting. Uh, my only hope, um, as most of you know, I kind of travel in and around those circles trying to get stories, trying to help out, sometimes hurting, yada, 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 um, that we don't have a repeat of some of the stuff that went on uh, in the gubernatorial primary. Um, absolutely think it's great when you have different candidates running for office, you know, on one side of the aisle, if you will, trying to neck down the best candidate to represent your values. Um, but I think there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. And I think most Nebraskans have learned we could do it better, at least on the conservative side, than how we did the gubernatorial one. So I hope between uh, State Senator Suzanne Geis and Mr. Stan Parker um, that they will run a very competitive and very uh, thoughtful um, candidacy so that uh, conservatives can, you know, pick the best choice uh, to represent conservative values in that race. Because I think it's an important race um, in this city at this time for a lot of reasons. You know, law and order, (laughs) you know, priorities of money, infrastructure, you know, uh, social engineering, whether it be, you know, making the changes that are right or making the changes that are gender-driven, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you listen to the show, you know what I'm talking about. But again, Sam Parker um, is going to announce his candidacy for mayor at 11 o'clock a.m. on Wednesday, October 5th at Suite 111. One of the other stories that's out there that I want to talk about, I mean, it's very sad, right, is this wreck. We've all been talking about it probably at least from an auto accident and deaths, uh, one of the worst in recent memory. And I think, you know, while it's sad, my heart goes out to the family. Uh, What it appears right now, you know, is a car accident uh, with six people having passed away on Sunday morning. And, And I'm not trying to politicize this, but there are some simple facts. Again, Heart goes out to the families. Um, I know that Mark Vale also talked about responders. You know, it's kind of a double whammy, right? We we lose citizens, their families are affected. You know, whenever there's severe crashes or severe uh, violent crime, homicides, you know, our men and women in uniform, uh, LFR, you know, police, they respond. You know, they're affected as well, and so. Again, I'm not trying to politicize it, but we just all know how human behavior is, right? If we see a police officer, you know, some of us tap on the brakes. If others check their seatbelt, you know, people turn around and say, kids, do you have your seatbelt on? This is not a bad thing, right? This is what we call in the security business deterrence, right? So presence equals some deterrence and so if you think about it with regard to vehicles and i've talked about my observation of the bad driving 
in Lincoln, Nebraska, that oftentimes does not end in death, but a lot of fender benders. No, I don't have the data on it. It's just a citizen like you's observation that I see an accident or two every day. And we are not doing something right, holding up our end to be safe, defensive drivers. But part of that is, as we edge towards, you know, not purposely breaking the law, although some people do, not having the numbers of officers on the street that provide that reminder to don't speed, that reminder to not drive recklessly, that reminder on a yellow, hey, I'm going to try to stop instead of rushing through the the red, okay? And that is deterrence. And so when I talk about our lack of officer numbers per 1,000, these are the type issues on a small level that can be very helpful to a community with regard to deterrence. You know, just seeing um, squad cars, just seeing officers out and about is just a reminder. Now, would it have prevented this? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is to me, this crash is a culmination of a lot of auto things that we've been observing, right? And that having more street officers only helps the deterrence when it comes to how we all drive going from point A to point B and the safety and security of all of our loved ones as yes, we should be out there driving defensively. We should be driving within the law, but in fact, some are not. And I know I've talked with officers that, you know, when we're at the height of motorcycle season and some of these people are rolling around at 90 to 100 miles an hour, think about that. Oftentimes, they're not going to give chase because it puts the public in more danger and they don't have enough officers to just immediately say, yeah, let's get the, let's get the chase on. <laughs> Throw out the spike strips. I mean, obviously, you're not going to so spike trip a speed bike. I don't think so. But you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're not going to just rally the forces of law enforcement like we see in you know LA and and be having these big chases but the fact that people understand they can roll around in a town at 100 miles an hour at any time is a sign that our deterrence is down and deterrence to me comes in the form of presence and that means more officers so again um LPD continues investigating that crash that happened at 2.20 Sunday at 56 in Randolph. And um, hearts and prayers go out to the families of the deceased. It's a sad story. Um, and I'd love to sit up here and tell you that I thought, think, oh, you know, crime and accidents and things like that, you know, are going to immediately get better. But history and statistics tells me that we're going to continue down this slow slide um, with shootings continuing to rise and other crime. And uh, we're just better than that. We can be better than that, Lincoln. Um, and I, I think we should want to. One of the national stories that's out there, and I don't know if too many people are paying attention to it or care, 
but I think you should. And that is the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline fiasco. So we know the pipeline was essentially sabotaged. Almost all sane nations now are putting that out, okay? And this has now become kind of a case of who done it. Um and a lot of national pundits have broke down different reasons why this that and another thing. You know, and even if there was US involvement. But whoever did it, uh these type things are an act of war. That's just a fact, folks. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to war. Uh, it doesn't mean we're involved. But the act of sabotaging somebody's critical infrastructure is an act of war. So you could be, whoever did it, called to the carpet for that. But what's interesting is because I think most sane Americans, and I hope our leadership in Washington, wants to keep the conflict in Ukraine regional, meaning just really between Ukraine and Russia in that land area and not spread into anywhere else in Europe. And for the most part, that's been done by the strategies thus far. Um, as you put two and two together, you know, the Russians have called up their reservists. That's something interesting. That happened about a week ago. 300,000 folks being called up and mobilized from a pool of 25 million. More than likely, that call up is to back up and fill in reserve for what is happening in Ukraine. But oftentimes, troop call ups are also just to make sure that you're ready for whatever may happen, whether it's defense, whether it's attack. Or in this case, to just backfill your losses that you've had in a war that you started. Okay? So Russia's called up 300,000 reservists. City of Lincoln, essentially, has just been told, hey, you're getting back in the military. Well, couple that with the pipeline. You know, the who done it? It is an act of war. Who benefits from it? What can it do to the national... And an international order. And then the fact that one of Russia's newest, biggest submarines has just left port, and at least in the civilian intelligence, we don't know where it's at. Now, you pray that military and Western intelligence has a good track on it and is watching it. Um, but these are small level escalation things, right? From the Nord Stream to who done it to Russia calling up. 300,000 reservists to Russia's latest and greatest submarine, you know, moving on, you know, quietly doing what submarines do. These are small little escalations that I think we all should pay attention to. I don't know anything deeper than that, but I am an American citizen and I care deeply with, you know, the stage of the world, especially when it comes to major nuclear powers and what could happen. Um, we've got to be very, very careful as a country, I think, right now, um, in that matter, matter, without a doubt. And I, sus- I suspect as the days and months go on, you know, there'll be a lot of talks uh, <laughs> between leaders 
about that because, you know, the Biden administration has put out some very interesting words. I mean, you know, President Biden himself said, you know, we can take that pipeline away. Um, current, uh, I think, Secretary of State is talking about it's an opportunity to get the, you know, some countries off Russian oil. Well, the Russians aren't going to be too happy about that. So we've got to be very, very careful the way we're playing chess. And, you know, as you know, I'm not convinced um, that we have the best chess players playing for us at Washington, D.C. right now. So uh, watch that. I think it'll be interesting. Keep keep on with it. And uh, we'll keep rolling here at KLIN 1499.3 a.m. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're back finishing up the show on 1400 AM, 99.3 FM. I mean, Johnny, it wouldn't be a drive time Lincoln Monday if I didn't mess something that's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. I swear, when I look across the room, of course I have memorized KLIN 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, but when I look across the room, it's like a little cheat board. Yeah. Right? And it's in giant letters. It's amazing how many times I get all tongue twisted on that. Uh, the listeners would have so much amusement if they could hear the things we say when we're off air. <laughs> well, thank God we don't go to uh, all the cameras we have in the rooms because, uh, although maybe we should, people would probably enjoy the, uh, I don't know, the facial expressions and the goofiness that happens at times. But we enjoy ourselves, and we hope you do, too. We cer- certainly appreciate you listening. We had Mitch Sherman on from The Athletic uh, first segment, and uh, just kind of getting an update on his take on Husker football. I think we have some good... Uh, Reporters out there, Mitch, Caleb Henry, Sipple, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys I trust and talk to, and I always enjoy kind of getting different takes. Um, talked a little bit about the crash and police deterrence and numbers, as well as uh, I think everybody should pay attention to Nord Stream 1 and 2 and that kind of mm, international crisis and just how that develops, um, because I don't think there's any way, one way or another, um, that... The U.S. either isn't involved or is blamed for it. One of the two, and it'll probably stick either way. Um, so interesting. Um, tomorrow, we have Michael Austin, a free market uh, consultant, economic consultant, and president of Knowledge and Decision Economic Consulting. Um, he's going to talk about the impacts of minimum wage uh you know, being raised um, and the proposals here in the state of Nebraska. Uh, he, he's been around the block. He uh, is a graduate of Washburn University School of Business and a master's degree in economics and has been an advisor at the national level. Um, so much looking forward to that uh, tomorrow, 530. And it will be Twitter Tuesday, 1499.3.